What does it mean to say matters? It means apart from him we can do nothing. It means he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yeshua is the only way of salvation. He is everything. We have to have the Tanakh to know the Messiah. But we have to have the Messiah to know the Tanakh. Without Messiah, we have nothing. Basically, it's all about the Messiah. It's Wednesday, August 15th. This is Messiah Matters, number 230. Waking up from the apple craze, my name is Caleb Hegg, and with me, the man that might still have a uh, flip phone and like it, Rob Van Hoff. What up? How's it going, Rob? It's not a flip phone, but it, <laughs> it's, it's close. showing signs of, of age, yeah. I gotta say, uh, so for those who don't know what in the world is going on, I got a new phone the other day, and I... Now, my family is all Apple, right? We got the uh, Apple uh, computer, we got the Apple laptop, we got the Apple... Uh, tablet, we got the Apple TV, and we all had Apple iPhones. <clears throat> well, yesterday I switched. I began to crack the mold in the in the family, and I got I got me a Samsung. I gotta say, I, I really like it, but I want to say something about this phone that's important because it's on Apple. We found it yesterday because of my new phone, but we it's on Apple and and it's on um, uh, Samsung, Android, whatever you want to say. And the app is really cool. My wife and I found it yesterday, and we just started using it. It's called <clears throat> Pray With Your Spouse. <clears throat> Very cool. Very. I like the sound and, of it already. And it has, uh, it, it's, it, they basically pitch it like you can either use this with your spouse, or you can use it separate from your spouse and pray for your spouse, or pray for your children. And so I'm on day two, and it has day two up here. And then it says, uh, we would be partners in the gospel. And then it quotes Philippians 1, 3 through 5. And then um, the, this, is what this is what really grabbed me this morning. They say, the word Paul uses for partnership is the Greek word koinonia. D.A. Carson helpfully defines that as. Okay, first of all, that means that they know they're, they're Greek, at least a little bit. And they're well, they're citing, they're citing a solid uh, source. And they're, and they're citing Carson. Um, anyway, I'm only on day it's two. It's not like they're saying, um, Joel Osteen says, <laughs> or, or Chuck Whistler says. <laughs> right, but, exactly. Yeah, you know, it's like... Exactly. So anyway, um, but you can find it on, on either Android or Apple. And uh, so far, my wife and I have both enjoyed it, and uh, we've only had it for two days. So I recommend it already. And that's, a, that's pretty strong for, for me to, uh, to recommend something for only having it for two days. I didn't send out show notes today, and um, so our our showing in the uh, in the chat room is very low right now. That's okay, um, and we will uh, we'll just see if people stream in. How you doing, Rob? Doing well. What's uh, the we, past we, the past week been like? Past week has been good. Just uh, sharpening things up for 
for uh, Trinidad and uh, excited about that. That's right. When do you leave? You leave in like a week. Yeah. And, you know, in terms of weather, we've had hot weather and it's been really smoky because of fires. Yeah, same here. We, I mean, my wife's like, you know, the last couple summers in August, we've had a couple weeks of like really poor quality air. So, and this is, it's not like industrial, it's not like LA, you know what I mean? Where this is. It's thick, man. You'll, yeah, fires. It, it looks like there's fog all over the water. You know, we're right by, we're, we're in Puget Sound. So the, the sound is right there and. Our, our the location of our house is actually uh, very well located because we have water on all sides of us. Essentially, we're kind of out on the point, going down towards Point Defiance. Um, and so, if you drive one way, you see you know the Narrows Bridge and the mm-hmm. water that comes down that way. If you drive the other way, then you see Puget Sound and where it comes into you know into downtown. So we got water all around us, and uh, it it literally looks like there's fog over the water all day long. It's nuts. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So even even you guys are having that. Yeah. So, but uh, I was looking at the weather in Trinidad. It's like in the 80s. Oh, dude. But you're going to have be, so... Yeah. going to be human. Yeah. No offense to our people in Ontario. I loved going to Ontario and meeting those people. <laughs> but why is it that you get invited to, what is it, the... <laughs> Caribbean. <laughs> the Caribbean. <laughs> so I'm, I can't, I'm so, I, I own, so just asking for, you know... Pray prayers for safe travels and that just the Yeshua's flock there that that he brings are all blessed and encouraged and equipped and I'm excited yeah. for you, man. You're gonna have a good time. I think it'll be nice to to meet the people out there. And yeah. gonna gonna play some music Paul, together. Paul and, in the uh, chat room, I was just playing, man. Actually, I gotta say, some of the best, some of the most beautiful farm country I've ever seen is up in in uh, eastern Ontario. It, it was it was really very gorgeous, and you know we spent a, a significant. I saw time. some pictures you posted just uh, oh just absolutely of some misty phenomenal. mornings. I was oh, like, wow, that's really so pretty. great. It was so great, and you know even the drive we were in the car a lot because you know we we I think we figured it out we were in the car eleven hours, wow. and um, which which was fine actually it was it was kind of a blessed time because uh, in the car we got to chat with uh, with the McDonald's who who hosted us and then um, the Takax I love that last name Takax. Um, the Takax took us back down to, to Detroit. That was a three and a half hour uh, uh, drive. And so it was really nice being able to meet them. But man, I'll tell you what, you, you see these fields, you know, these beautiful fields, uh, you know, farming country and like the lone tree in the middle of the field way out. And I just thought to my, like every time I'd see a lone tree like that, I just thought, man, my wife and kids, we would just, we, we would find a tree, put a blanket under it and just stay, stay there all day. It was really go. very beautiful. <laughs> So I have no complaints, and not only that, but the people. I met Paul. Paul Archer was in uh, was was there, and it was nice to meet him because I get emails from him every once in a while. So and that, Caleb, I'm still there. thinking, our uh, we, we got to do this maybe in 2019. Yeah, Lord the mm, the mm tour, the mm tour, short little excursions where Caleb and I come and to a community near you and play music and teaching and just. Uh, the, the the good connect. folks in Ontario have already said that the, that we're we're invited. So we've had that's probably that might be the fourth or fifth location right. that has ha, has sent us a, a positive come this way uh, signal. And so I'm I really really uh, it's all over the place, yeah, man. I'm we got Texas, that, yeah. right? Was it Texas? Yeah. We had Arizona, Texas, Arizona, and North then, and South uh, we Carolina. Had, uh, I think Louisiana. Maybe the magical Georgia. mystery. The magical mystery tour. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, people are uh, people are starting to show up in in the uh, in the chat room, and and we're uh, we're happy you're there. Sorry I didn't send out show notes. To, to be honest with you, I didn't want to send out something that doesn't give you value. And we don't have any links or any books that we're referencing today. It's more of a conversation um, from some of the some of the uh, emails we've gotten and whatnot. And so there was really no reason to send out. You know, I don't want to just send you stuff. Like, oh, yeah, you know, hi, how's it going? You know, I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> it's I, the show notes should be for to give you something, at least a link or something. OK, um, before we get, go on and we jump into um, our content for the day, we should say that uh, Messiah Matters. That's this show. Messiah Matters is brought to you by TorResource.com and uh, Tor Resources. A wealth of all sorts of wonderful things that you can find for free and to purchase. And so we would encourage you to go there and check it all out. And as we come into the, uh, we're coming into the fall festivals now. And so there's a lot of different stuff that uh, is on our site for free that you can uh, check out. And um, uh, yeah. And then also um, we should say that uh, we certainly appreciate all of our supporters. What a blessing you guys are. And our producers, um, our associate and executive producers, if you want to become an associate or an executive producer for this show, you can do so by going to torresource.com, hover over TR Radio, and click on Messiah Matters. And then there's instructions on that page on how to do that. And we certainly appreciate all you guys. And all of our supporters have access to Messiah Matters more, which is uh, so if you have access to that, then I would, uh, I think everyone should know by now, but if you don't, all of the lectures from Ontario that my father, both my father and I did are up in audio format. Now, I'm editing those in video format, and they'll come out sooner or later uh, to purchase on the website. But they're free for our supporters, um, and you can go and listen to all of them. My dad did I've five. listened to mo the pretty much, I think I've listened to pretty much all of them uh, now, and uh, great stuff. Great yeah, my, stuff, and I, that was without the visual. So I know the videos will be available where you can see the right the uh, the the slides as well. But just listening, I I don't even think you the slides are necessary to get the bulk of what's uh, going on. Yeah, and and my dad did five lectures on um, I mean Holy Spirit, yeah, the Holy Spirit, and, and really very good, very very good. Anyway, um, I learned. I I was like, wow, I never thought of it that way. You know, right. there was a lot of moments where I'm like wow, I like how he just systematically went through each of those verses, you know, and talked about it. Right. Uh, yeah, my dad has a way about him. Well, uh, hey, you've got a uh, little bit of that yourself, my friend. You oh, did thanks, you did a great job. Uh, Thank you. Very personable. You, you uh, fun to listen to, informative. And uh, so you... I'm excited both, uh, to hear your lectures on Galatians. That'll yeah. be that'll be a treat. And I'm like, I gotta call Caleb and go, hey, like, <laughs> how did you like prepare? Like, because no. Well, the thing is, the, is that got the head gift. We're gonna we're gonna try. I'm gonna I'm trying to get uh, Rob to post his lecture. You know, record his lectures as well. well I'm and planning so, to, yeah. And so we'll we'll try to put those up in the uh, supporter page as well. We we normally put videos up in the supporters page during the week. Um, and we haven't done that for many weeks now. And but to offset that, I put all you know all of the lectures from Ontario, all eight of the lectures. Yeah, from and each Ontario. those are like an hour each, almost. right? And then yeah. and then hopefully so that's eight. Yeah, that's hopefully we'll get your your audio from um, Trinidad, and that'll kind of <laughs> let people let people feel like they're 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 still getting new content. Okay, sure. and then also be a part of this conversation. You can call our comment line 
It's 253-465-3205. We listen to, I personally listen to and save every single message that comes in, even if it's one where people are yelling at us and telling us they don't like us. Uh, that's fine. You don't have to talk to us. Um, we just listen to the messages, and sometimes that content becomes what we talk about on the show. So 253-465-3205. And of course, you can always send us email, cheg at torresource.com. It's C-H-E-G-G at torresource.com. Okay, now that we got all that out of the way, let's turn to our uh, discussions. We have m- multiple discussions. I don't know how far we're going to get. I named this show... Deity apologetics, and the reason why is because we do have one specific email that we want to get to today, which is it, it's it kind of shows the state of where some, not all, but some within the Messianic and Hebrew roots movement are. This is an ongoing debate about the deity, um, so we definitely want to get to it. But first, let's start with transgression. Um, this came in. I have another question. If sin equals transgression of the law, and this is interesting because, uh, you know, if, if you ever learned your catechism, which uh, I'm trying to teach my son right now. Oh, the uh, Westminster, yeah. Westminster Catechism. What is sin? Sin is any one of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. So, yeah. Okay, go through that slowly, would you? So sin- remember, just to set the tone, Westminster, this is, uh, this is Reformed theological right. um, curriculum for a person who's learning, whether it's a, a young child or an adult who's learning uh, Reformed theology, to learn Scripture through the asking of very pointed questions, that, um, such as for big categories, like what is sin? So right. it's kind of like, in some way, it's a dictionary, but it's a dictionary of impor- what the Reformers identified as core themes or concepts that have to be grasped that if you that if you don't clarify a definition that there's there's going to be room for wiggling around elsewhere so what they're trying to do is say if you're part of this confession you have agreed to these definitions of terms right and so right. The nice the other nice thing is that you have young children so my son's 5 if you ask him what is the chief end of man and I've had to break that down, down for him. You know, what, what, it, what is our goal as humans on earth? What's the meaning of life? To, the the yeah. chief end of man is to glorify God to and glorify enjoy him forever. To enjoy him forever. I love that. He's got that one down. That's the first one in the catechism. The chief aim or end, and it uses the word end, I think, in the, yeah, the chief, chief end of man. Of man. Yeah. So that's the, the, yeah, that's the very first one, to so, enjoy him forever, to glorify right. God and to enjoy him forever. So then, Which then is, the, the that's one, such a big idea yeah, for a kid. It's huge. Like, he, do, he you, doesn't quite get it, but you know you what? You mean God gets the glory, and it goes on forever, and I haven't, I, the, I, there's, that there's somehow a benefit for me as the one glorifying God, that I get to enjoy God's grace and his glory and his love forever? Wow. Well, the other thing is, is that even though he doesn't understand the fullness of what he's saying, yet, for me, the catechism has actually been something that I've gone back to. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they the catechism is all rested on Scripture, so they have scriptural verses that go with it. But anyway, the one that you wanted to hear slowly was, sin. Yeah. what yeah. is sin? Sin is any want of transgression unto. So what is that? No. What is want of? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Any want of conformity unto. Con- want of conformity means it means you've failed right. to obey. So f- that is transgression of an active, of a do. So the, when you any want of conformity 
unto or unto. transgression of the law of God. Right. So that covers both positive and negative commandments, what the rabbis call aseva lo, lo ta'ase. So right. the, the do commandment, that means says God says do something and you failed to do it. That's the want of conformity to. You've, you transgressed an, a positive commandment. Or lo ta'ase, you shall don't do, but you've transgressed it. You've done something you shouldn't. So even though it's not couched in rabbinic terms, the rabbis of the Talmud also, in broad terms, look at God's Torah as having positive and negative commandments. And so, anyway. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, right? So, that was the whole... So, I'm sorry. Maybe we weren't clear. The audio lectures in... Um, so, Peter in the chat room is asking where the audio lectures you guys were talking about. And Derek says the audio lectures must be purchased. They're actually not available for purchase yet. This is one of the nice things for that we try to do for um, people who support Messiah Matters. For as little as $5 a month, um, if you're on a reoccurring um, uh, donation for $5 or more to Messiah Matters, then you instantly have access to the Messiah Matters More page. And that can be uh, found um, on the Messiah Matters page on Torah Resource if, you are, if, if you're uh, a recurring donor. Um, so, And that's something that we try to do to say thank you to the people who support this show and help it keep going. So, um, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, the question is this. We got off on a huge rabbit trail. No, which, totally. Yeah, go back those, to the email. I love, I love those rabbit trails, though, man. It, it, that was a good one because I, the catechism is close to my heart. Okay. I have another question. If sin equals transgression of the law, does that mean that I am sinning if I have not been circumcised and I'm not wearing tzitzit? This is a loaded question. And the person, I don't think, in any way meant it as a loaded question. But let me explain why I think this is a loaded question. Because... Circumcision is a sign of the covenant from the parents, first of all. So when a person does come to a belief in later in life who has not been circumcised as a young child and wants to show faith, at what point does the person need to become circumcised? And there's nothing in Torah that tells us at this point in a person's walk of faith they need to be circumcised except for on the eighth day. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's no... You know, both of these questions, both of these examples come back to ask your local, you know, what does your local community say? What do the leaders in your community say? Um, So uh, circumcision, I think that a person, once they have uh, come into, and you can can, uh, disagree with me here if you'd like to, Rob, but um, I think that circumcision should be uh, something to be desired once uh, you have come into faith in the Messiah. At what point that comes... I think that's up to the person and up to the community. You know, I know a person uh, very well who basically uh, a believer wanted to marry his daughter, and he asked him, "So, you know, when are you uh, when are you getting snipped?" <laughs> In other words, like if you're going to marry my daughter, this is a prerequisite. And I thought that that was very that was a good thing. I thought that was that was right. Um, in terms of zitzit, though, this is an, another loaded question, in my opinion. Is there anything you wanted to say about circumcision before we move to zitzit? No, I, I think you and I are pretty much on the same page. I think that um, one thing we want to be careful of is that it, it, it should never be communicated as a requirement for salvation. No doubt. It, and, it should, and so as long as that's clear, it should not be forbidden, in my, in my idea, in my uh, opinion. Right. That... Um, 
and it should not be it, it should be clarified and this is part of the problem we have coming from where the wheel ruts are really reading paul as anti-circumcision which is a misreading of paul but um to clarify so people understand what what in fact it is and what it is not and i i like along with you i believe that uh, a believer will desire you know a man would will desire it and uh so, yeah, but that's uh, that's basically it. Is uh, for those in the chat room, can you just t- tell me if uh, our audio sounds right? If in terms of the same level, okay. And then uh, this person goes on. I have not uh, been circumcised and I'm not wearing ZZ. So, am I sinning if I'm not circumcised and I have and I'm not wearing ZZ? This once again, I think, comes down to a community issue. I know people who say that they have put a talit on before, and that's fulfilled the commandment. I know that uh, people who say they only wear tzitzit on, um, you know, on their talit when they pray on Shabbats. I know people who, like myself, I wear tzitzit every single day, no, pretty much no matter what. Um, but obviously, you can't wear them all the time. You got to get into the shower, <laughs> so right, you know. There's obviously certain. Um, um, times when people aren't going to have tzitzit. This com- this also comes into the question of should women be wearing tzitzit? Of course, Jewish Orthodox would say no because they say it's a man's garment. Uh, Akiva, at his the women in his household wore tzitzit, which is interesting. Uh, something that I think is a little bit neglected by the Orthodox rabbis. They basically just say that Akiva, you know, the the majority went another way. I don't think there's anything wrong with a woman wearing tzitzit. I don't think it's a man's garment at all. Um, and the children of Israel in the passage in, in Numbers 1537 and following could apply certainly to, it says children of Israel or sons of Israel. The, the actual word is sons of Israel, but sons of Israel is often used as the whole assembly, not just, not just men. Um, and we have to just reaffirm, and, and this is, again, being careful. God's commandments are good. God's, God's Torah is holy and just and good. And... Sometimes, you know, it, what we want to be careful is this, the idea of the hijackers that come and say, oh, you need to do it this way, this, this way, way, and this right. way, or it doesn't count. Or you need to do this before you even are really a son of Abraham. And that's what we're fighting against. That's right. what Paul was, that got Paul really, really fired up when, when people were teaching that. Rather, Paul wants to affirm the what is called the new birth, right? That he spent, he sent the spirit of his son into your heart, whereby you cry, Abba, Father, right? Right. And that's, that's our new creation life in Messiah Yeshua. And we come to the scriptures like a child with that heart, not, uh, and that needs to be protected from the people who are going to try to spin and, uh, you know, false uh, prophets or wolves in sheep's clothing that are going to try to take advantage of those vulnerable um, so I would say, uh, that's a good question to ask what, cause the bigger question is what, how does the Torah apply to me uh, right. as a Gentile? Right. And you're going to find where you go on the internet, you're going to find people say, Oh, it doesn't apply to you because they have a whole reason. They have a whole system that will <laughs> teach you why it doesn't apply to you. Right. Or you'll find another group says, well, this one applies to you, but that one doesn't. Right. And so. so you got to be aware that you're just asking that question, asking questions about commandments and how they apply to me as a believer in Yeshua. And you get out there into the marketplace of ideas, you're going to encounter all sorts of different types of responses of people that are ready to sell you their, their worldview. 
So the other thing is, is that, uh, you know, within Orthodox Judaism, you have all these, you know, you have different ways of tying tzitzit, but they're basically standardized. Sure. You know, you have 10, 5, 6, 5. That's how I tie my tzitzit. Um, you have uh, 6, 7, 11, 13. Um, that's, you know, but ultimately, we're not told in the Torah how tzitzit are supposed to look or they're just tassels. Right. That's that's the one thing that we know. I know people who have made theirs multiple colors that really ticks off a lot of people. Um, I don't care. Right. As long as there's a blue thread in it and that right. that's commanded in Torah. Um, I know some people, don't even do that. The, they protest the blue and thread. purposely leave out a blue thread. Then they have their own their whole uh, rationale. Right. So, yeah. And so but then, you know, you have people and this used to get to me you have people who clip them to their belt loops or whatever. Um I don't care anymore. You know, it's I, I think it's a heart issue. If somebody is trying to keep the commandments, I think that's great. So right. why should we be upset about it or whatever? Um, obviously, if I go to a community and I'm I integrate myself into a community and everybody's wearing you know uh, red and green tassels with a blue thread in it, um, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't conform to that. Um, but obviously, within community. You know, you just can't always conform to community. Within community, there's different opinions and different. Right, exactly. So, um, you know, okay, let's move on. We've actually so now now's the question: Do we continue on with our? <laughs> we have a lot in our notes. This is all going to have to roll over to next week, which is fine. You want to talk about the word "oi"? Oh yeah, someone emailed. I don't know if I have it in. Front. I don't have it on my email, but. Uh, someone asked a great question. Sorry if you're listening right now. I don't remember who asked it, but it was a great question. It was just, what? tell me, I encountered this word oi. I think it was spelled O-Y in my translation. And is that a Yiddish? I think they asked, is that a Yiddish term? And I thought, this is a really good question uh, because it does sound a Yiddish. But in fact, you know, so this is just a a great email question with a short answer. It actually is a Hebrew term. Um, it's spelled Aleph Vav Yod um, with a cholam above the, the, the Vav. And it's Oi. And it means woe. It occurs in the Torah. It occurs in the prophets. Um, whenever there's a woe unto you, like... Uh, I'm not going to lie like, to you. This is news to me. <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. Keep going. So Oi... Um, uh, and, and, uh, so you could just look up, whoa, like if you go to an English Bible and look up, whoa, like W O E, like, I think I did the, whoa, like the NSB. The yeah. <laughs> right. In numbers 21, um, you'll see it in the Psalms. You'll see it in Job, uh, on and on Isaiah. Yeah. Oi, oi, oi. Sometimes it's, it's, Hey, Vav Yod, hoy. Um, but it's it's the same uh, word. So where's the ve and, come from? Where's oi ve come from? The ve, I don't know. I wonder if that's Yiddish. Somebody somebody can look this up for us. I don't know. I think the ve is a Latin is well ve is the Latin transliteration of oi. So I don't know that that's why you hear oi ve. But oi ve could mean so like whoa it's just, whoa yeah <laughs> whoa whoa whoa, double, whoa it's a double double. <laughs> It's your use. Uh, yes. you're, you're providing the Latin. It's like Abba Father, right? Oy vey. The I don't know if that's in fact, but but so the Greek too. Then the Septuagint, that's the funny. the Greek uh, speaking or the Greek 
Jewish scholars who did both languages. They just transliterated it. So if you look at a Greek um, of numbers, 21, for example, they just spell it, if I remember right, it's like Omicron, Upsilon, Alpha, Yoda. So it's like Y, Oi, or Oi, or something like that. Oi, Oi. And they probably just said Oi, right? Oi. And that's the same word used in the Gospels where you should, like Matthew 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, it's oi, oi. So long story short, Hebrew word, it Not comes Yiddish. into Jewish use of Greek. So it, it, it transliterates into Greek uh, Jewish literature through that simple transliteration. It's not translated. And then, of course, we know it like oi, oh, uh, uh, you know, from, from Yiddish. But it is, in fact legitimate hebrew term so wikipedia somebody just uh, uh, actually michael just posted in the oh, yeah. uh, in the chat room wikipedia says oy ve yiddish oy and ve or oy ve is istmir is a yiddish phrase expressing dismay or exasperation sure B- but once again and this might be you know wikipedia might be right in this but mm-hmm. what is yiddish y- yiddish is a mixture of hebrew and german yeah, yeah. So and some Aramaic. So yeah, it seems yeah. obvious that the oi part would come from uh, the Hebrew found within the Tanakh. That yeah. that makes perfect sense. Um, so one of the conversations that's been going on in, um, you know, this is encouraging, by the way, and this isn't the two our own horn or anything, but the most watched video on the Messiah Matters page is our video on how to tie tzitzit. 34,000 people have watched that video. That's really cool to me. It means that people are, you know, trying to tie ZZ, which is great. Yeah. Um, Paul asks about where does it specifically say four corners? Deuteronomy. And I don't I don't think that it necessarily specifies four corners. It's supposed to be on the corners. But I think that a garment naturally has four corners. Naturally. Um, but that doesn't mean that there couldn't be more. You don't see people wearing star-shaped clothes usually. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think that's just, so I think it's kind of where. It's uh, Deuteronomy 22.12. That's upon the four corners, literally. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's Deuteronomy 22.12. There you go, Paul. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, let's move on. I want to get to this deity, uh, this deity, because we talked about the deity last week. So I want to get to it now so that to make sure that we have plenty of time to talk about it, because there's just so much going on here. Um, and uh, so I think it's important. And, you know, once we talk about deity issues constantly on this show, and we do it because it's a major issue. It is a major issue that's going on in the Messianic and Hebrew Roots movement. I don't see it as nearly as much in the, in Christianity, but I think that that comes from a solid, you know, uh, the Christianity went through what I would consider a very uh, rigorous uh, vetting process that eventually brought Trinitarian theology. Um, and so if someone in Christianity fights against Trinitarianism, they just go back to the battles that already took place. For some reason, within Hebrew roots and Messianic movements, there's like this dis, uh, discomfort, I guess. I don't know. They, they don't trust the church fathers or the the huge battles that went on. 
and this gets actually to uh, Gary's question. He emailed us today about um, a, a Greek versus Hebrew mindset. I think that there's this huge want of distinction between Greek and like, oh, the Greek people, they, they were pagans. They don't they can't think right. You know, they can't un- interpret their Bibles correctly. Um, and so this is where like the uh, a push against Trinitarianism comes from. But I think if we go back to the Bible, uh, you have a much harder time with that. Anyway, um, so this is the question at hand. They say, your discussion about Yeshua's deity in the last episode was particularly timely, as I recently came across an argument to the contrary that was new to me. This is a position held by a Messianic Jew, and he states that Jews cannot believe in Yeshua's deity because the scriptures of the New Testament have been twisted out of context by the Christian church and lost their Jewish lens. Can we okay. pause there for a second? Yeah, we have to pause there. So he says, Jews cannot believe in Jesus' deity because, okay, this is already, now I don't know if this is formulated by the person emailing or if this is formulated by the person he's citing, but to say Jews cannot believe in something is like saying that all Jews believe the same, same way, thing. first right. off. And and also the problem is there, there are Orthodox Jews who believe, like, for the whole fragmentation of the Chabad, that they don't have any problem ascribing uh, deity to Schneerson. Right. So, so if 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 we're just thinking in the realm of Jewish thought, right. <laughs> um, we're already on a presupposition. We're venturing out on a presupposition that I'm already. Uh, going to see problems with. But. Somebody says uh, that uh, you should ha- have Edward Delcour on your show on the topic of Trinity. I've actually watched some of Dr. Uh, Delcour, and I'm probably saying his name wrong, uh, some of Delcour's uh, uh, apologetics on, on Trinitarian theology. I think he does a very good job, actually. Um, I'm, I've, I've been encouraged by some of the uh, debates and, and some of the things that he's, he's said. Um, and I, I think that he makes some very point, pointed points poignant points, I should say. Um, and uh, so the way that he describes uh, why it's necessary to believe in the Trinity is actually one thing that I, uh, I, I applaud him for. And after I uh, did a little research on Dr. Del- Delcourt and, um, and, some, and watched some of his, his debates, I, um, I actually went and uh, found him on Facebook and, and sent him a, a private message just thanking him for some of the works that, that he's done. Um, now I don't, I haven't gone deep into his, you know, into uh, a lot of his material. So it's hard for me to recommend something that I'm not fully, uh, aware, you know, I haven't really, uh, dove into, uh, you know, a lot of what he's done. Um, but, uh, you know, I, from what I've seen, I'm, I'm very encouraged by the way that he, uh, debates and, and a lot of the stuff that he does. Um, Another point here, he says, uh, the New Testament has been twisted out of context by Christian church and lost their Jewish lens. This is another problematic statement because there is no such thing as a, quote, Jewish lens. Right. I mean, you could look at, for example, I'll read uh, like David Stern's uh, comment, or translation and commentary on Galatians. So he's, he's Jewish, and, and he's apparently, he could, you know, complete Jewish Bible or whatever. And I totally disagree. I think he's totally wrong on, on very important points. Right. Um, and it, so it's not, again, this is, this is a false dichotomy in my view in, in broad brushstrokes, it might, you might think, Oh, okay, I, I can accept that. But, um, yeah, I disagree with the idea. 
Now, I I do agree that the the Bible has been taken in a lot of different directions, um, but we don't have to go to the Christian side of things to see it being taken in different directions. You can we can just stay in the Jewish world and see the Scripture being taken. This, in different this is this is one of the things that really bugs me, and this is kind of one of my pet peeves about the idea. It's it's this uh, glorification of all things Jewish. The idea that Judaism has something right. They have a lens, and they have what they can believe and what they can't believe. Well, here's the the, the, the <laughs> annoying thing is is that if you look at Orthodox Judaism and Hasidic Judaism today, it's so far from anything biblical. You know, they're resting on ka- oh, Kabbalah. Oh, like, yeah. They're, I was in, dude, I was in Svat on Tishbav last summer, and it was like, wow. This pa- is like... Paganism at its core. It's, it's well, not... Well, you shared in one of your... I really liked just one more footnote uh, to plug the the what now is called the Ontario lectures no but uh Caleb shares a little bit about when he like I need to dive into this Judaism thing when he was uh, uh a younger man and he goes to Israel and slowly but surely he's like man this isn't anything like I'd imagined and there's weird things he's encountering uh so anyway I encourage people to listen to and all, but but that's the point is that people have this this just like I did, this fairy tale idea of Judaism, like oh, Hasidic Judaism just is really, it's really just very. Religious I just people. I just wear black. And yeah, it white means I'm super holy, right? But um, there's a there's a whole the- theology that comes along with it, and actually we're going to get into some of that in this in this comment. He goes on, um, and so th- the one thing I will say about the person who's writing this, I don't know if he pulled this specifically from. The like that correspondence, yeah, that he had, correspondence, yeah. or if he's stating what he thinks the guy says, so let's go on. Fair enough, that's a good. good he says he makes a couple of claims, and these I'm guessing are actually claims from the the messianic Jewish guy that he's talking to because he actually uh, bullet points them that the doctrines found in the apostolic writings. That's the new the New Testament for those who don't know, um, the Nevi'im and the, or the Ketuvim, as well as rabbinic commentaries, must originate with the Pentateuch. There's a lot of words that people might not know here. Basically what the person is saying is anything out of the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. And we uh, actually, um, um, Helen in the chat room, she pegged me on this a couple weeks ago, right? And it was then it was nice to actually go and meet her face-to-face in Ontario. Um, so basically the idea is anything outside of the first five books of the Bible must add up with the first five books of the Bible. I agree with this. But I agree that all sixty-six books. Yeah, of the Bible. There's limits. That generally, I would say, yeah. But what about uh, Psalm one ten? You are a, I, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of uh, Melchizedek. That's not. There's nothing in the Torah that said that there's going to be a priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Absolutely, and that's a major theme. Okay, hang on just a sec. I completely agree with what you're saying, and this is the point that we tried to make. Uh, I think, at least, I was trying to make. Is that and my father put it. That's right. My father put it well. You weren't you weren't here for that show, but he said all of these things are expansions on on you know. Sure, sure. So so everything can expand out from the Torah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be in the. Well, Torah and here's the thing: we don't. <laughs> even if we have just the, even if we accept that, let's just for the sake of argument say we agree with this. There's things that could be in the Torah that that are would be obvious right. to us if they were pointed out. But if they were not pointed out, we wouldn't see them. Well, let me give you a good example. For, Sam, well, I'll give Sam, you Sam, in 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 First Samuel, we learn that that uh, the Messiah is going to come from the line of David. 
that's nowhere. Or is it Second Samuel? I'm sorry, it might be Second Samuel. Well, yeah, but you, we do know we we know from Genesis it says Adkiavo Shiloh, right? Until Shiloh come, right? The idea of that Judah, you know, the the authority was going to be vested in the tribe of Judah somehow. But it's only in hint. It's right. in hinted, um, long big picture prophetic terms. So. So there's a yes and no here. There's because the scriptures are a whole structure. Right. It's like a whole house. You have the foundation. You have this, the but, walls. The but doors. But do you hear what this person's doing? You hear what this 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 messianic Jew is doing? The very first thing that you have to do to try to uh, to take away the deity of the Messiah is degrade the scriptures. If you want to get rid of the deity of the Messiah, get rid of the authority of the scriptures. Well, here's and here's the other problem, the other problem, and I, I've had this discussion lately with people. That the idea <clears throat> that we have access to the Torah, to the Pentateuch. Well, the, first of all, the whole idea here is he's why the Pentateuch? Why is he setting apart the five books of Moses? It's tradition. It it it. We only know that these five books are the five books of Moses because later authorities taught that. In other words, it, there's nowhere where Genesis says this is the first book Moses wrote, or second, or or Shemot said right. this is the second book of Moses. He's all what he's trying to do. He's try he he has later uh, tradition in mind, but he's kind of not showing that part of his hand. And the other thing is reading. How are we going to know what the Pentateuch means? You know, people use. English translations, they'll use different translations, they'll use Strong's Concordance, they'll use dictionaries. Um, they'll say, oh, it's Paleo-Hebrew, it's, it's caveman drawings, you just have to learn to read it. Um, all these different things. But the fact of the matter is, the only reason we have the scriptures to read is because in every generation, by God's providence, there have been people teaching it, translating it, explaining it, even if they disagree with, you, with each other, which they do, they always will, we come into that discussion that's already going. We can't eliminate everything that happened from the 1000 BC up to 2000 AD and cut that out of the conversation. Okay, I'm just going to look at this text that was there. Because even then, what am I going to do? Where's my Hebrew text of right. the Torah I'm going to get? Well, I'm going to get it through the Masoretic tradition. Okay, well, the oldest Hebrew Torah we have is like a thousand years old. So who am I trusting? We have to trust, to some degree, God's the means that God uses to to transmit and preserve. But and, I I completely agree with you. But the ultimate point here is that this claim is made specifically to try to degrade Scripture so that so that people can't use all of Scripture. Which is you know what <clears throat> to me that's fine because this rolls into the next into the next uh, objection. Well, and, here, and but one more point, if I may, when Yeshua quotes. Uh, he quotes the Psalms in John 8. He says, it says in your Torah, right? Right. right? There's places where um, where it'll say, the Torah says, dot, 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 and it's actually quoting, like, the prophets or, right. or the Psalms or something. So, so just the very idea of the Pentateuch is interesting because that's a Greek word that he's using, <laughs> um, you know. The, the idea of the uh, humash is a later rabbinic idea um 
yeah. So, okay, let's is. let's go to the next objection. They say, and this, I'm I'm sorry, this is a stupid argument. It ju- it's the, just oh, it's just stupid that the deity of Jesus is not supported in the Pentateuch. Therefore, Jesus is not God. You know why this is stupid? Is because it's simply wrong. It is so wrong. You see. First of all, no man has seen God at any, any, at any time, right? Then why is it, and the rabbis have such a hard time with this, they don't know what to do with it. How is it then that uh, the Moses and the, uh, Exodus el- 24, yeah. the elders of Israel go up and they see the God of, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? They saw the God of Israel and beneath uh, his feet. How, yeah, exactly. Right. And, and how, how is it that, that Jacob wrestles with yod heh And how is it that Abraham speaks with yod heh Who's also called one of the Anashim and one of the Malachim, right? Don't even one get of, into Isaiah because then you have super big problems. Because, I mean, Psalms, every single book of, of the of the Tanakh and every single book of the Torah speaks to the deity of the Messiah. So either you're blind, which is very possible because God blinds those whom he wills. Right. Okay, so either you're blind or you're willingly defiant against truth and God, which is also very possible, as I think God hardens hearts. Or you don't want to know the truth, which well, is here's also the other thing. If you adopted possible. this, you can't accept the apostolic, you can't accept the Gospels. You would have to throw away, well, we can't listen to the Gospel of John because <laughs> it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Right. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And then Yeshua himself says, before Abraham was, I am. I am, right. Okay, so the person who said, oh, well, tear out the Gospel of John. So what the, you have to just start tearing out things that don't fit with the way you believe the Torah should be read. Right. The way, as if you somehow, yeah, I, I'm the I'm the arbiter of all things the Torah says and does not say, and I do it without reference to any of the prophets that God ever sent, of whom the world was not worthy. I do it without reference to any of the Gospels or, or any of the writings of the uh, apostles, even Paul or Peter, whom Yeshua himself sent as teachers at to write these epistles to build up the body. Yeah, it's quite quite arrogant. I wouldn't say this guy's a messianic Jew. I'd say he's a messed up uh, Jew. Yeah. He's I not mean, a messianic. Should we take bets on how many emails I'm going to get for calling that argument stupid? Okay, let's go to the next one. <laughs> okay. Rather. Yeah, ra- uh, that rather Jesus was a tzaddik. This is so telling. On such a high level. Yeah, this guy is totally drunk the Kool-Aid with Chabad, uh, Chabad Hasidism, or or uh, Baal Shem Tov, and uh, the the you know the Magid of Mezrich and, so, okay, and the whole this, circles. We there. should we should clarify this because a lot of people don't realize this. I wrote a paper on this what five years ago. Um, the idea of the tzaddik, not tzaddik means righteous, and um, within Hasidic Judaism, they have the leader of their uh, of their sects are called the tzaddikim or the tzaddik, right. um, and it's it's usually passed down through a dynasty, um, and most, not all, but most of the um, of the I think there's about somewhere in the vicinity of sixty five to seventy um, various Hasidic communities, each one of them for the most part, minus maybe eight or nine, have a sitting tzaddik 
in their midst with them. Now, right. a lot of people think that the Tzadik is just a very wise and righteous man no. that leads his people. And that Tzadik is, doesn't even have to be a rabbi. Right. It, that is totally not true. It's What it is, is it, it's a complete ripoff and replacement of Yeshua. They're Based, trying to replicate. He actually, yeah. yeah, in in the certain, now it depends uh, between different Hasidic groups, because even there's a fragmentation there in the late 1700s, early 1800s, but some communities viewed their tzaddik as like the sole uh, gate through right. God. Right. And so they would take their prayers to him and he would intercede. Um, one difference is that uh, some sex, and I don't remember because it's been a long time, believe that their tzaddik is the provider of material benefit. In right. other words, and, and male we want to have a firstborn son, right. we want to have children, we go to the tzaddik, and then we have some sort of, or or I need to do well in business, that material benefit comes through the intermediation of, of the tzaddik. And Others old, believe, no, he's not here for any material Gain. It's all spiritual. It's only it's only spiritual. So you'll this, see variation on that. This is also but the idea is that they're a that they are uh, some sort of uh, uh, yeah high level. They have access to to God's ear. So well, the other thing that the Zedek is built on, and a lot of people don't know this about Hasidic Judaism, is reincarnation. Basically, the idea is that the Zedek has made it has been reincarnated and so many times. And come to he's learned a, all he's he's kept all the mitzvot and over now the, the over next the, the next yeah. reincarnation he's going to be an angelic being or up in the you know he's going to become part of God or whatever and so what the Zadik does is he puts himself into trance states and goes back and forth this I'm not joking this is widely known knowledge you can look it up um, but he he travels in between the uh, seven um, heavens. He's able to enter the throne room of God, and uh, he's able to bring his his people's uh, petitions through prayer to, into the throne room of God. What does this sound like? This is, I mean, this is clearly built off of Christian theology, and it's just, I mean, it's a replica. They're oh, rep absolutely. They're if trying to read, rip off you know, Christ. Uh, if you want to read uh, some of the core... Uh, no Hasidic works. You just go and you can read the the letter of the Baal Shem Tov, the letter right. he wrote to I think his brother in law or something, um, where he says, "Yeah, he ascended. He talked with the Messiah, right. and then the Messiah told." So, so for example, Chabad taking their their word, their their gospel to the ends of the earth for the sake of uh, their message, they believe that is a messianic commandment that the Messiah himself commanded Chabad to take their message to the world. Right. Of course, it has no, it's not affiliated with the gospel at all. It's, this is a replication, and an attempt, not a replica. It's a, 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 what do they call it? A false uh, counterfeit. Yeah, it's, it's a counterfeit. So the, the, um, somebody's asking in the chat room, what is the name of my article? Here's a link to my article. Didn't you, isn't there a video? I did a video on it too, but I don't know if we recorded it anyway. You did one at the Philippines, it's or called, in the Philippines. It's called Yeshua versus the Hasidic Zadik, an exploration oh. into the theology of the Zadik. Um, and uh, you can. So the idea is that Jesus was a Zadik on such a high level, like Moses, that he and God the Father, quote, are one in the sense that the will and actions of both are identical. Well, that can't be true with Moses. 
Now, the Torah says Moses was the, was the most humble man who ever lived, and he was faithful in all his house. However, Moses did not enter the promised land, and God corrected him. He said he failed to sanctify God. Right. So the Torah itself points to a person beyond Moses because Moses cracks under the pressure. Mo- Moses is taken, and of, if you think in terms of vessels, right, Moses is cooked in the fire of affliction and and he pulls out and when the when time came for moses to represent to the people god's will what did he do he cracked and so there then he had consequences so the torah itself points to this possibility or not well it's to the impossibility of a human right who's just human to represent to be a shepherd that's why when it comes to psalm 23 it says, Yodhevave is my shepherd. Right. I shall not lack, lack anything. It's not Moses is my shepherd. Right. It's Yodhevave is my shepherd. But what we This uh, is David. This is a Psalm of David who said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. That it's pointing to Yeshua, who is who comes from heaven, but he is fully human and he is both God and man, a hundred percent each. And yeah, that's a mind blower. And people who want to be rational are going to say, oh, I can't, re- I just have to reject that idea. But in fact, that's just, that's just what it is. And and if you don't accept that, you're going to have all sorts of problems with the apostolic writings and you're going to want to, well, we got to get rid of this one. We got to get rid of that one. The, the other thing that's really interesting about this is that rather Yeshua, was, like, I want to go back. <laughs> I'm still hung up on this. Yeshua was a, a tzaddik. Oh, yeah. This per- Okay, here's w- what you have. You have a person who has now tried to de- degrade the, the 66 books of Scripture by saying that everything has to be based on Torah. But then they want to use a theological term, which they probably don't understand is a theological term. In other words, they don't understand that there's a whole theology wrapped around the idea of a tzaddik and what that is. They probably think it just means righteous man. And yeah. so they associate <clears throat> Moses with the tzaddik. But that this is not the the uh, the theology of the tzaddik. So now they're taking something that's seventeenth, eighteenth century Judaism. They're supplanting it theologically back into the the Torah, which is not right. Right. And they're trying to say, oh well, Yeshua is this too. So now you're resting on seventeenth or eighteenth century Jewish theology to inform, and not even just any Jewish. It's it's Eastern European. Right. It's 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 a very specific Ashkenaz uh, uh, group that was very insulated. Right. Even though they took, they accepted the Zohar, uh, and so the uh, Christian influence came in through the Zohar, even though they didn't know the Zohar was written under Christian influence, they took it as true. Uh, but anyway, yeah, this is a good Here's one thing, though. We do know the word, there's nothing wrong with the word tzaddik, right? It's in the scriptures, right? It's in the Psalms, um, uh, the idea of a righteous person. But we have to understand it in biblical terms. It's used in the apostolic writings um, to talk about, uh, well, even the first epistle of John. He says he is he is righteous, right? Yeshua. And even in the epistle of Yaakov, James, he says uh, the prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? So the, it's, the idea, though, is what we need to clarify is the biblical definition of the term versus how it's used, like right. Caleb's pointing out, in 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 18th century Eastern Europe and how it becomes a keyword in Hasidic 
absolutely um, theological imagination of of a of a person who somehow is this intercessor and could even do maybe miracles um you know things got, like I, this th- there's a there's a uh, there's kind of been a sprinkle of a conversation that hasn't really been going on but just a couple of things here and there in the chat room but it's something that i feel i i, I kind of want to speak to a, a little bit um gary had said that the um, that the the Pentateuch itself doesn't actually it says almost nothing of, of resurrection, and uh, especially of Yeshua's resurrection. And uh, then uh, I, I don't know who this person is, but Truth Hurts says Yeshua is fulfillment of first fruits. Therefore, the Torah does speak of his resurrection. Speaking on a previous comment, um, and so the one thing that I thought of when Gary posted that was I think that all of Leviticus, the entire book of Leviticus is talking about resurrection. And the reason why is because you have to continue to bring your sacrifices. It dies, and then you have to bring it again. It's constant. There's never a time, there's never a time when, when uh, the, the sacrifices are, oh, you bring one sacrifice, you're good for all time. Why? Because it, it's not eternal. The, the animals aren't eternal. It's, it's a, they, they die and then it's done. And then you sin again or you become unclean again. Being unclean isn't a sin. We've talked about this a lot on, on this show. But you become unclean again, ritually unclean. And guess what? You have to do it again. You have to come and, and bring a sacrifice again. Well, the, the fact that Yeshua raises from the dead shows that he's eternal and shows that he is deity. So, right, and that the sin, the consequences of sin defined in the Torah from the beginning of Genesis, death, somehow it doesn't apply to Yeshua, right? Right. That, that somehow, somehow whatever this sin did to humans, whatever damage it did and in terms of uh, uh, capacity to, to be obedient, but also finite lifespan, death, uh, you know, that yeah. didn't apply to Yeshua. So, um, yeah, this good. good now, I, now, back to Gary. I, I understand what Gary's saying. In other words, we don't have anything that explicitly tells us that, uh, you know, we're going to have to have a, uh, you know, a resurrection to happen. Um, there's nothing that just comes straight out and says, resur- talks about resurrection in that sense. However, I think that the entire uh, temple service, which is really a, like when when we as believers start to look into and understand why the temple service was put in place, it's mind blowing. And not only is it mind blowing, but it's really a beautiful thing. And the reason why is because it all points to Yeshua and what he does. The whole system, everything about exactly. it. Exactly. And particularly when you have someone who has been defiled by contact with a corpse. Right. They are disqualified from being in sacred space. Right. And there's a, there is a washing procedure that takes eight days. And what it takes is it takes someone who's pure. It takes a priest who is actually pure, who, can, who does uh, inhabit sacred space, to step out of that to temporarily become impure for the sake that both then can enter back into the uh, to sacred space. So that's an amazing element uh, to to the Mishkan, to the running of the, I think of it as a, like this machine, it's like an engine, right? It's this machine of, of you got the hardware and then you've got the people that are in there, you know, doing uh, all the things according to the, the commandments. And that it, this is God's presence where his holiness is coming into the physical space 
of our world where death is happening all outside of it. And how does holy, holiness and death can never touch, right. right? Holiness and death can never touch. So the whole Mishkan and all the, the control, what I think of as controlled death, right? The off, the, the slaughtering and the, the deliberate and careful and procedural and uh, highly regulated slaughter, you know, controlled shedding of blood is part of this way, you know, that by God's uh, statute is um, the means by which God could bring his holiness in a highly concealed manner, manner, right? Because it's in the Holy of Holies, right? right? With the Ten Commandments, etc., in the Ark. And even the, they, so the Israel know it's there, but they can't go in there. Right. Only one day and only once person under very specific after confession of his own sins and offering for his own sins and the sins of his house. Right. So the Torah implies that all men are sinners right off the bat. Right. Right. I mean, it, otherwise there wouldn't be a commandment for a day of atonement unless people are going to sin like you pointed out from, to, from the get go. So anyway, this is a good discussion. Um, so we, we actually, yeah. we have a lot of, uh, of stuff to talk about, which is great. Um, and there's, there's stuff in our show notes that we were going to try to get to today that we aren't going to be able to get to. We have two comments on Revelation, on the book of Revelation, uh, that we're going to get to next week. And uh, there's some other things that, uh, if we haven't answered your question yet, um, it could be because it's coming up. You can always email us again and, and see if, uh, if either you missed it or, or maybe we missed it. That's always a possibility as well. Um, so if you have a question that you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. Some of the, some of the things we just haven't been able to get to, um, and we probably won't. So we do choose, but um, for the most part, we talk about a lot of what people ask us to talk about. Okay, so give us a call, 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. We listen to every single message, and we thank everyone for calling. I got to say, we love Erna. Erna, yeah, Erna is such a blessing. She... Uh, she emailed during this show, which I saw, and she calls often. We and uh, people like Erna, and uh, we got others in the chat room that are just always so great. Uh, you know, they they help they help keep us grounded, and and uh, and we appreciate that. So uh, give us a call and shoot us an email. See Hegg at TorahResource.com. It's C H E G G at TorahResource.com. All right, it's been a fun one. Um, we love interaction with you guys and we're so blessed to, um, have people who interact with us and are just highly intelligent. This show couldn't go on without you guys. So we thank you for that. We hope that this, uh, conversation has done one thing and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. <laughs>